Pod. Pod. Havlicek stole the pod, and another team stole a win over the Celtics tonight. 108 and 105 was the final score. 76ers got that win. They got that win they've been searching for for a long time. And it was the first one since AI, as you know, Alex. So Alex Kungu is here. As I, as I teased last episode, he is the new ho- co-host of Havlicek Stole the Pod. Welcome, Alex. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I wish I could be coming on to better circumstances, but I'm happy and looking forward to the rest of the season. So Alex is here. He's going to bring his opinions his tweets, all that stuff here. We're going to be testing him on the weekly, maybe uh, twice a week if we can get him in here that often. And I think you'll be able to pick up right where Chris left off, Alex. And I'll throw the first one at you that I had to ask him a million times this year throughout this frustrating, frustrating year. Are you, do you still believe in this team? Chris was hanging on hope every single time. I jumped off the bandwagon about two weeks ago. Are you still on or off? Well, it depends on what you mean by jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, or to me, if you're if you're still under the assumption that this is a finals team, there's no evidence <laughs> this entire season that that's a possibility. Granted, it could change in the playoffs when it becomes matchup specific, where the rotation is shorter. All that stuff is possible, but right now the fair money right now is not on the Celtics the reason money is not on the Celtics um I personally see their ceiling as a second round I don't, whether it's the Bucks or the Raptors I don't see them passing them unless you know big circumstances change so I guess I guess from that I guess from that I'd be off the bandwagon their control over the flow of these games frustrates me and that comes with you know playing from behind, playing ahead as they did multiple times tonight. They were ahead by double digits multiple times in this game. In fact, they came out of that gauntlet of a third quarter that Joel Embiid threw at them with a nine-point lead early in the fourth, and that slipped away as well. They just don't have great control over the ebbs and flows of these games, so they'll have excellent performances individually. I mean, I feel like I'm talking about the Nuggets game again because I felt like they played well for stretches of that game. They had players individually playing well in that game. And again, tonight, Kyrie, 36, Roger, 20. I thought Tatum looked good. He had big buckets up and down this game. And they just couldn't control the runs, the flow of the game. And that comes down to free throws, too, which I'll get to in a sec. But like, what is the big problem for the Celtics that they aren't able to craft these individual performances in the win i think right now where you see like this lack of poise and lack of finishing down the stretch is just trying to find five guys that just all kind of know how to read off each other communicate with each other well and kind of play off each other um i was listening just recently to the chris paul podcast with jj reddick there's a chris paul podcast now huh? yeah and they were talking about the lob city clippers and they were talking about how like a lot of times they didn't even have to talk to each other. They could just read each other and just know. And their execution was always great. They always kind of like just were they were just were able to just have this like bond that went beyond like uh, X's and O's. And I think with this team, what you're seeing is that they don't really have that bond. They don't really have a lot of guys that can just read off each other and know each other's games. And I think recently down the stretch, we've kind of seen just how that how that can be a how that cannot work out for you when you start getting hit in the mouth late in the game and you don't know how to respond, you don't know how to keep your composure. Did so, Paul talk about flipping a switch? 
there's no I don't know if there's a switch for this team, to be honest with you, because you're getting the only switch that I could see possibly happening is these guys just being able to just because the playoffs is such a different animal that maybe just that different setting changes. But if we're expecting guys to suddenly just know how to play with each other or to suddenly play harder, I don't think that's going to change. It'll just come from maybe the format of the playoffs, making it uh, making the game a little different. And the bad developments just keep coming. Gordon Hayward, concussion protocol, he's been out. So after another good run by him, he has another setback in his recovery this year. I thought he was going to become a key piece to gluing all this together. Aaron Baines, who has had phenomenal runs in these games. In fact, I was probably going to pose Aaron Baines as being another gluing force who could help the Celtics put together that five-man lineup that looks cohesive, is able to make those gritty plays as well as the skillful plays. And he goes down with a grade two ankle sprain tonight. That could be six weeks for Aaron Baines right into the playoffs. So he's down. And Marcus Smart goes right out of the game tonight, getting frustrated with the foul calls. And I'll tell you, the officiating was not good tonight. I just don't know if I love a guy getting himself out of the game when the team just needs to build off each other like they do right now. But, uh, you know, at that same pace, Irving seems to think that, you know, they're just going to wash out the regular season. I don't mind that from a seating perspective. But like you said, Alex, I don't know how you're going to flip a switch when they haven't put together any consistent run of good basketball all year for long stretches of time. Yeah, and to kind of go back off that Baines point, that could end up being very serious because how it looks like right now is that the Celtics might be matching up with the Pacers in the first round. And that means you're going against guys like that young, DeMontis Sabonis, um, Miles Turner, maybe even Kyle Quinn. They have a lot of size. So not being able to have your big guy in the middle could spell some problems for the Celtics in, in that first round series, potentially. So smart. He had a great play diving in front of Embiid, the play before he got ejected, ripped the ball loose. He's been making those in-between gritty plays that the team really needs. He was making all of them versus Denver, and he, he ended up losing his cool tonight as he did it against Atlanta earlier in the season. Embiid stuck out a little elbow. Smart gives him the big shove. What was your reaction to that sequence? You know, it's just kind of it's the give and take of Marcus Smart. And that's in that situation, you would like him to keep his keep his head up, um, not do those type of things, because in, in the long run, the team needs him. He's their best perimeter defender. Um, he sets the tone on that end. He has flipped games with that end. So he's flipped the momentum. So it's like he's very important to being a glue piece to what they need. So you, you would like to see him kind of just have a little bit more maturity in those situations and not push them. But at the same time, that's kind of what makes Marcus Smart Marcus Smart. So it's kind of like the tax you pay, and it's similar to the Warriors with Draymond Green, right? Like he does a lot for them, but every once in a while he might kick someone in the you-know-what. So (laughs) it is what it is. Yeah, and I can't blame him for the way he's played this year. Forced the issue a little bit in this game. Overthrew a pass to Horford. It's a few bad looks from three. They could have used him down the stretch in a defensive role. They lost a lot of defense between dropping him and Baines late in the game. Butler went off in the final sequence there, and the free throw disparity. I need to get to that early in the show, Chris. I mean, not. Well, I still think Chris is in the seat next to me here. It's Alex. <laughs> <laughs> 
bad mistake there. But you're gonna you're gonna thank your Chris when you hear me talk about free throws every single episode because that's what he had to do here. The free throw disparity on this team drives me crazy. Forty two for the seventy sixers, sixteen for the Celtics. That's a gap you just can't make up in terms of points, especially when the other team pretty much hits all of them. I tend to disagree with Brad Stevens here, and this is my big sticking point with Stevens this season, and I don't have many. He basically shrugged his shoulders earlier in the year and said, you know what, we don't have the personnel to get to the free throw line. We're not going to be able to do it. We're not going to be able to do it, and we're going to have to get points in other ways. And that has just hit this team in the butt so many times this year. It did a little bit against Denver, and pretty much on any given night the Celtics are dropping about five to ten free throws to their opponent. I, I don't know what they can do to adjust this. It's not within Irving's capabilities because he does the best he can. I'd probably put it on the wings to get to the free throw line a little bit more. Horford as well. But this team's going to have to do that in the playoffs. At least I think so. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I don't I've I've struggled with this because um, I do think you can win without necessarily being a big free throw shooting team. But the only scenario, like the biggest, like the best case scenario for that, is the Warriors, who are who kind of play very similar to the Celtics, except, except that the Warriors have Kevin Durant and we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that the way the Celtics play, it's they play inside out. So they use the they use the inside to then create outside shots, and I mean it's worked for a lot of the season, not relative to expectations, but in terms of just like how we've been able to run our offense, but. At a certain point, I think what you're missing is those cuts that are getting to the basket and getting more paint attempts in general. And I think a big indicator that you can look at for a Celtics game is say you didn't watch this game and you just look at their assist numbers, you can always tell by their assist numbers how well they're moving off ball, how well they're making cuts. And tonight, that just it wasn't enough. Like 22 assists is, very, is low for them. And they needed, they were doing that well in the first half when they just had that offensive explosion, but they bogged down, they stopped moving. Um, A lot of that is like watching Kyrie when he starts getting going. And that's kind of a place where you miss a guy like Gordon Hayward. It's kind of a place where you want to market smart down the stretch. Like those guys know how to make timely cuts and know how to move without the basketball. So I think the point of emphasis for them is going to be doing that more consistently like getting your paint touches up and hopefully organically that also comes more free throws it puts a lot of pressure on the three-point shot in my mind that's how i look at it your your own efficient shot once the free throws are gone becomes that three-point shot and there's just so much more of a high variance there from that position you gotta get to the free throw line and take advantage of that 80 percent shot as it's going to be for a good free throw shooter and then you could finish at the rim, but this team seems to have trouble with that, too, on certain nights. It's just the team can't seem to figure out who they are, even from, like, an internal lineup perspective, but also from an offensive standpoint. Like, you don't know what this team's going to be able to lean on offensively besides Irving on any given night, and that happened again tonight. Like, I love the way Irving's playing this year, and I've pretty much tuned out all the off-the-court nonsense with him because... He's playing so well in these games, and he did again tonight. He was phenomenal. He almost pulled this game out for them. But elsewhere, like I, I look at a guy like Tatum. Are you going to be able to finish inside? He hasn't shot the three ball at all in the month of March. And so if you're not getting to the free throw line too, like what, what is Tatum's go-to offense? 
Like that's that, that's just it's an identity crisis that I think plays into this free throw issue that they have. And and to build off of that, I would say it's also a timeline crisis because. 25-year-old Jason Tatum is going to know who he is as a basketball player. 25-year-old Jalen Brown is going to have an identity and know what to do and have a consistent output every night. But you're de- but you're dealing right now with year two and year three Jalen. And those guys are still learning who they are. They're learning their sweet spots. And that's kind of an unintended consequence of trying to have the best of both worlds for the Celtics when they were building. Is now you have this team that wants to compete now. But your second best player <laughs> is still a second year kid who's still trying to figure out how to score on a consistent basis. So that is a good point out. Yeah, that is a worthy consideration. And it's the balance between the veterans and the youth of this team because those veterans are ready to go. Horford, again, phenomenal tonight. Irving, one of his better scoring nights of the season, really, all things considered. And that all that just still isn't enough for the win. Uh, Marcus Morris, I'm going to highlight one big play in this game where he got blown by by Ben Simmons, who didn't do too much tonight besides that huge three-point play down the stretch. Butler and him just came out of nowhere to seal this game for Philly. And I look at Morris again tonight, hit a, missed a little bunny off a offensive rebound that the team really needed down the stretch. And this just hasn't been not only his month, but multiple months now. And I talked to Chris about this as well. You know, me and you are just picking up some of the conversations I've had with Chris on this show. What do they do with Morris? Because Semi Ojale hopped in and played well tonight. Uh, You know, Jalen Brown's been playing great all of 2019. I don't think it's as simple as like a starting lineup issue. I think there needs to be like a minute redistribution here. Yeah, and I mean, I think at this stage, like from a from maybe just like a purely analytical perspective, you can make an argument that, okay, maybe Brown should be starting. Maybe Brown should be getting the lion's share of the minutes and things of that nature. But from like a human practical standpoint, Morris was one of the most consistent Celtics players throughout the year when the team couldn't find anything, when guys like Jalen couldn't, weren't scoring consistently, when Al was out, he was the one that was there consistently coming through for this team during that middle stretch when they were like 28 and 13 and looking like they got their season back on track. He was a very huge part of that. So as a coach, I don't think you could just kind of like, like drastically just shift his role with the second things don't go well for him. Cause then you, cause then you risk the chance of losing him and this team for better or worse is going to need Marcus Morris in some capacity. So I do, I definitely agree with your idea of maybe limiting his minutes. And we've kind of seen that here and there throughout the season when Stevens wants to try to go big with Baines and maybe he'll do two big lineups and then Marcus Morris might only be left like 20 minutes a game. I think we'll see more of that in the playoffs, and I think we'll see some of those like very quick decisions in the playoffs. Like if Marcus Morris doesn't have it that night, we might see a quicker plug and things of that nature. But as of just right now to, to close out the year, I think they're just going to roll with Morris and just kind of hopefully he breaks out of whatever – this prolonged slump is there's going to be a lot of scary soul searching early in the postseason and it's probably going to be against indiana at this point i'd like to see philly just because the team's not going to be able to sleepwalk through a philly first round series i think there's a lot more chance that 
a team like Indiana could catch Boston off guard just because of what they come in with, dealing with the Victor Oladipo loss. They're on a little bit of a lull to end the year as they slide down to that fourth spot. You know, I don't, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the Celtics team at this point where I'm trying to line up the best path possible for them, and we're all going to try to do that. But I honestly think they need, like, the biggest lion that they can face in the first round just to wake them up, get them going. And tonight wasn't a, so much a case of Philly... You know, it was for Joel Embiid. I give Embiid a lot of credit for the win tonight. I think he got rid of some of his demons that he's faced against Boston. But as for the Simmons, Butler, you know, even Harris, those guys disappeared for large stretches of this game. Now, they sealed it out, which is the important part. But I still like this match for first round for Boston if they can get it. Yeah, I, I do veer the other way. I kind I'm a little worried with this Philly team. I think they'll be better in the playoffs, but I just think you have guys like like Butler, Tobias, um, Redick is always a tough matchup, and they'll shrink their rotation, so you won't see Boban at all. Like, I don't know. I worry about this Philly team. You better not put Boban out there. <laughs> uh, he was he was horrible when he was out there against Celtics, but I do think that for the Celtics, maybe the path of least resistance is the best. Because, I mean, to me, the playoffs are matchups. Like, I don't think it's about the regular season, like, trying to wake you up or anything like that. I just think if you match up well with the team, chances are you're going to beat them. And being able to—I think this team is, like, a confidence booster. So, if anything, I would want them to have the easier matchup, like in Indiana— because Indiana, right now, they play very well in the regular season. But without a star, it's very hard to win in the playoffs when teams can kind of scheme around you. So, like, beating the Pacers in, like, four or five games is just a type of, like, boost that you need, especially when you're about to head into a series with the Bucks. I can imagine going through a slugfest with the Sixers for, like, six or seven games and then immediately having to have Giannis come out. And then if you get past Giannis, Kawhi. You know what I mean? Like, it just very, it lowers the chance that the Celtics will make it to like where they want to make it to so i mean as a as purely just a fan i I would like to see them face the pacers did philly turn a corner tonight no i mean they've they've beaten the celtics in the regular season before i think if you're turning the corner is if the celtics lose martin baines in the first half and gordon hayward doesn't play who killed them the last time they were in philly if that's your version of turning the corner you're not in a good spot so I think for them it was just good to get out the win. They were on the second they were on the second half of back to back, which is I think worth noting. So it was a good win for them, a quality win. But ultimately, like I don't think it means much. It might mean it, maybe, but I don't. I, I would say no. I don't think they turned the corner or anything tonight. Big thing they're still gonna have to deal with is defending Irvin, and that's gonna be a matchup breaker for a lot of these teams. Even Milwaukee has struggled to guard Irving in the past, and. Again tonight, he just ran wild on them all night long. And Bede, though, just so overwhelming in this game. He had an amazing recovery on that last uh, drive that Irving tried to get within one down three. And Bede recovered after getting beat initially and just stuffed him to oblivion. That was one of Embiid's better games I've seen in his career. Um, how, about, how about this for a quote from Marcus Morris on the Sixers? They got one. It sounded like the Super Bowl when they won. I'm happy they can get a win and be as happy as possible for one game, but we still won the season series. So <laughs> the Celtics, 
based on their comments, do not feel any type of way about. Who's trying to get to the playoffs? I mean, we might as well just skip the Hornets on Saturday. Uh, those two Pacers games that are left, like there's a little bit of a way to go for this team to be talking like the playoffs start next week. And I think that I mean I, that starts with Kyrie, right? Ky- Kyrie's their leader. When he starts saying, "Hey," when he's basically saying like let's just get to the playoffs. It doesn't really matter. He talks like that. He played, I mean, granted he didn't play well, but that's the tone you're setting. Then that's kind of what the team is going to adopt. And I mean, I get it. Cause I mean, he played for these Cavs teams that were like some of the league's worst defensive teams in, in the regular season. Uh, he brought the flip, the switch talk over. Justin Rowan warned me that that was going to happen. Oh, uh, the, Oh, the, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I get it from his point of view, from Kyrie's point of view, why he thinks that's possible, even though from my and maybe the semantics, I don't think there's a per se switch that's going to happen as much as the fact that it's just a playoffs and it's a different type of game. And maybe the Celtics are better built for that. But I don't see like some random switch. But hey, more we'll playoff time. You know, I am a fervent supporter of cutting this roster down to its most important parts. So I appreciate an effort like Roger and his recent efforts, to be honest, that he has definitely tried more to pick his spots. The three-point decisions he made early in this game were excellent. But then again, I talk about individual performances, and they just don't persist game to game outside of Irving. It doesn't connect to other parts of the team. It's just like, it's, it's really a losing effort here. Even when this team goes on its great stretches, they fooled me earlier in the season with those big 10-game stretches of wins, eight games where they play well, and then they just have these little lulls. Again, another losing streak that they're on now after this Philadelphia loss. So they're on to Charlotte on Saturday. The Spurs come into town on Sunday. Again, one of the hotter teams in the NBA. And before those playoffs begin, Alex, they have to fly to Cleveland, which I'm sure they're going to love. Yeah, I, I expect Kyrie to not be making that trip. <laughs> <laughs> he has already handpicked that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Did he say he had three games that he was taking off the rest of the way? That's, that's one of them for sure. We can bet on the other two. Yep. So that's Alex Kungu. He is the new co-host here on Havlicek Stole the Pod. You can follow him with his new at that really just uh, confuses me sometimes. The Alex underscore Kungu is much easier. Now it's AK98 underscore NBA. You can find him there. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to talking to you soon, hopefully after some Celtics wins. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you next time, guys. Good night. <laughs>